Hello and welcome to the Barcast. I'm your host, Nick Barr. It's Monday evening. It's pretty late. It's 1130. Um, so this might be a low energy Barcast. Apologies for advance, but I wanted to talk about a movie that I saw recently. Um, and I want to talk about it before it fades from memory. That movie is L E L L E starring Isabelle Huppert and directed by Paul Verhoeven. It will likely be nominated for some number of Oscars. Uh, Oscar season is upon us. Isabelle Huppert did win, I think, a Golden Globe for Best Actress in it. So it's, it's kind of in the zeitgeist. This is a rare, timely bar cast. Um, and, and I think probably the... The impetus for, for talking about L actually starts with a tweet. I, I saw L at the, God, what is it called? The Opera Plaza? It's sort of a weird spot on South Van Ness in San Francisco. That It, it is a plaza. It's sort of a mall um, and also a movie theater. And I saw it on a very rainy evening um, by myself. It's, it's the sort of movie that I, I just don't have friends who would want to see it, I don't think. Um, and, uh, I, I saw it and I tweeted about it and when we'll discuss the tweet, but the tweet was L is a movie about people obsessed with Isabelle Huppert made for people obsessed with Isabelle Huppert. And, um, this tweet, uh, you know, within my little universe really somehow got tons of, uh, attention. I'm looking at the tweet activity now. If you've, if you've ever used Twitter, um, there is some sort of like, uh, stats page where you can look at, um, impressions at 1,851 total engagements, 86 detail expands 51 likes, 21 retweets, 11 profile clicks two replies one. So, um, quite a bit of engagement if I don't mind saying so. And I was trying to understand who was engaging with this. Uh, I guess there are people who are Isabelle Huppert fans and, um, I don't know. They're just crawling Twitter, searching for discussion. I don't. I don't know exactly how these people found my tweet, but they did engage um, the heck out of it. Interestingly, there's a follow-up tweet. So the first tweet is: "L is a movie about people obsessed with Isabelle Huppert, made for people obsessed with Isabelle Huppert." And then the follow-up tweet um, was: uh, "It's basically fan service, which is an interesting." interestingly problematic for the kinds of fans Isabelle Huppert has. And this had almost no engagement. It just had one like by uh, a Twitter user named Galadriel, who is probably um, another one of the super fans. It was, I don't know, it was, it was a jarring experience for me. Um, I don't usually get more than one or two likes per tweet. Um, so I thought, well, maybe there's something here to discuss. Um, and I also thought it was just interesting because here I am tweeting about Isabel Huppert superfans, and then I get a lots of engagement from Isabel Huppert superfans. Before we dive into the barcast, um, it's worth talking about who this actress is, I guess, because I don't think she's super famous. Um, she is uh, French. I had called her until very recently Isabel Huppert because that's how you spell her last name: H U P P E R T. Um, but of course, of course you don't pronounce that Hubbard. And then you have this issue where how French do I make it? I don't really speak French. So I think probably, you know, the, the correct pronunciation might be something like, um, 
but I'm not going to say Isabelle Huppert every single time I mention her. So then you've got to figure out like, well, how do I find the middle ground between Hubbard and Huppert? And then you sort of end up with a Huppert uh, or Yupper. I, I don't know, but we're going to, we're going to do our best and uh, feel free to correct my pronunciation um, uh, by engaging with me on social media. So, I know Isabelle Huppert from a movie called The Piano Teacher, um, or Le Pianiste, directed by Michael Haneke, who is one of my favorite directors. And this movie, like, affected me like no other movie and probably no other piece of media has ever affected me. Um, I processed it like I had just had a traumatic event, something like the death or the suicide of a friend. I'm not going to spoil the movie too much. I, I, I would, I would unreservedly recommend it to you. The piano teacher, Haneke, Uper. Um, I've been, I've recommended it to a bunch of people and, and none of them seems to have had the, the reaction that I did. So there's something about me, I suppose. But, um, after I saw the movie, I was, I was just, blown away by her performance and sort of became a fan myself, but she's very prolific and I haven't, I don't know if I've even seen any other movies that she's in. Um, but I've, I've, I've always been interested in her career. I think she's a phenom. She's sometimes called the, the French Meryl Streep, which I think is like a ridiculous comparison. Um, we'll talk more about what makes her such a great actor soon. But anyway, so I, I've always been interested in her. And then, um, Elle is directed of course by Paul Verhoeven, who, is a fascinating Dutch director, um, most known for his Hollywood booms and busts, including RoboCop, Starship Troopers, Showgirls, and others. Um, and so if you've seen any of the basic instinct, of course. Um, so he is a pervert, sort of. Um, he has a really ironic sensibility. He loves violence, but, uh, certainly doesn't endorse it. He's, he's just a fascinating kind of sicko freak director who still turns out mainstream hits. So he's not like a, he's not a, uh, Von Trier, Von Trier, however you say that guy's name. Like that dude is sort of a sensationalist perv for whom sort of managed to mainstreamify his perversions and also sort of comment on them. Um, Starship Troopers was the movie that I first saw, um, and I, I saw it in theaters in 1997, so I was 12 years old. I saw it with my father, and the shower scene um, is seared indelibly into my mind. So Paul Verhoeven meets Isabelle Huppert. I was definitely going to watch this movie. Um, and I, I think before I do any criticism on it or, or discussion of it, I'll, I will throw in the rare Barcast disclaimer, which is to say that um, this movie deals extensively with violence. It deals with rape. It is a gory, difficult, awful movie. Um, and so I do want to discuss it with you, but um, that discussion, of course, will inevitably come through uh, my perspective, um, which is... Uh, not particularly well thought out. Um, and so, you know, if you come along for this ride, I invite you, but also please be patient with me and my perspective. Um, we're going to go into sort of murky waters and, and we're going to just jump in um, all willy nilly. 
In fact, the movie starts with a rape scene, um, which is shot off camera, but you can hear her protestations, uh, and the movie just, the, the camera just pans on a cat that sort of just watches, um, impassively. Um, and, you know, that scene is so clever of Verhoeven because it introduces this notion of tastefulness, right? So we've sort of, um, we don't, we don't see the crime itself. And so we, we think maybe we're in for one of those movies that, um, is going to avert its eyes during the most difficult scenes, which is what makes the next scene later in the movie so much more difficult because she gets raped again by the same perpetrator. Um, and then this time we see it all. And so it's this sort of jump scare. Um, we just, we're just not ready for the guy to come back. Um, we kind of think the film is going to be all about, um, processing this initial crime. Um, but it happens again and this time it's on camera and it's very, very difficult to watch. Um, and it's also very effective, um, because, because <laughs> Verhoeven so sort of evil E sets it up, um, by making the first one invisible. And that's, that's like classic Verhoeven. And after that jump scare, um, of the second rape, then you're just like on pins and needles the whole time. Um, he has like many, many scenes that are sinister in nature that don't result in anything. You know, you've got shadows of guns pointing at shadows of characters. Um, you'll have, uh, sort of just, just moments of, of sort of prolonged hugs that you're not sure if they're going to turn weirdly romantic or, 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 or salts, just like a lot of discomfort, um, for the rest of the film. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, sort of a reluctant hat tip for Verhoeven for setting it up that way. Um, but I want to, I want to go back to the tweets and what I mean by them. Um, Isabel Huppert is sort of an undeniably um, sexy, strong woman who pretty much is only interested in roles that are complicated, that deal with suffering, sexuality, um, that deal with power. Um, she is in turns vulnerable. She is a victim. She is a perp. She is a sociopath. She is a pervert. She's a sicko. She's an innocent. Um, that's kind of her jam. And she's, she's always been doing that in, in many films. And so, um, of course she's kind of gotten a, a large fan base. Um, and this fan base, uh, certainly admires her for her ability to act. But I think that's where I, I find the, Meryl Streep comparison invalid because Meryl Streep is, is just a great actor um, and can disappear into any number of roles. But Isabel Huppert is, is pretty specific in the roles she takes on and becomes sort of this aesthetic uh, object. I don't want to get into subject object like lit crit stuff, but mm, she's fascinating because you kind of want to behold her and uh, observe her as an object, but then she will uh, often reverse or flip or subvert that, um, and challenge you in, in all sorts of ways as an, as a viewer. Um, so this movie is interesting because, um, she ends up becoming the object of obsession, uh, for many characters, not just her rapist, but her neighbor, um, both the, the, the husband and the wife, 
uh, the neighbors. Her ex is still sort of enamored with her. Um, her business partner is enamored with her romantically. Um, her business partner's husband is enamored with her. And uh, in, in an amazing, uh, I, this was such a surprise for me and such a welcome surprise. Her character is a CEO of a video game company, which is, is just like really great. And so, of course, now she's got an all-male staff of you know, engineering nerds who are all sort of enamored with her. So um, that's what I meant when I said Elle is a movie about people obsessed with Isabelle Huppert, made for people obsessed with Isabelle Huppert. It's almost like Verhoeven is casting so many characters that are obsessed with Isabelle Huppert that it's almost impossible for a viewer not to self-identify with one of those characters. Um, I would say uh, reluctantly that I might self-identify with the, one of the, her employees. Um, and of course, you know, being an employee, there's a, there's some, you know, BDSM kind of power dynamic stuff there. Um, and so, so I would imagine that, um, there's, there's some sort of level of mm, self-awareness that a viewer must have to have watching L. And then, you know, that's why I went on to say it's basically fan service which is interestingly problematic for the kinds of fans Isabelle Huppert has. So fan service is, if you're not familiar with it, sort of a phenomenon that I guess originates with um, anime, which is when a sort of like a cartoon, a Japanese cartoon will sort of have fun scenes that are almost sort of standalone, irrelevant to the plot scenes that um, are basically just for the fans. So uh, I think they're usually pretty sexual in nature, but they don't have to be, but, uh, if you like Dragon Ball Z, what's the name of a Dragon Ball Z character? I can't, gosh, it's been, I wish I, I'm not, I'm really not doing this just for the bar cast and pretending that I can't remember the name of Bulma. I think Bulma there, I don't know. There's some, there's some lady in Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> uh, who will occasionally, um, like, uh, I don't know, wear a swimsuit, right? So one of the episodes they're going to the beach and now she's going to wear a swimsuit and she might, you know, flash a peace sign to the camera and then we'll take a picture. And like, this will all happen in the cartoon. And it's sort of a wink and a nod to the fans saying, Hey, we know you, we know you kind of are into this. South Park did a really good recent piece of fan service. There's a phenomenon called shipping. Uh, is that right? Shipping? Yeah. So shipping is an act of fan fiction where you create fictional relationships in the cartoon universe. So for instance, in South Park tweak, and Craig, I think, um, are subjects of fan fiction where they have a gay relationship that was never really intimated by the cartoon itself. Uh, but if you go to Tumblr and a lot of, sh a lot of these shipping things will have like, uh, portmanteaus. So what would be Craig and Tweak Creek, I guess, or Tweg, but I think Creek is the right one. You know, you can find all sorts of, uh, drawings and stuff or stories about them in love. And anyway, South Park eventually made an episode um, about Craig and Tweet falling in love and sort of a classic gesture of fan service. Anyway, to say that L is fan service is to say that L is almost like it's a movie that exists just to put Isabelle Huppert in those scenes that she thrives so well in. It's not like a very well put together movie. It's not like a piano teacher, which is to me a beautiful story or a tragic story. It's kind of just like a highlight reel of Isabelle Huppert performances um, and 
that can be a little bit problematic because these performances aren't merely like a Daniel Day-Lewis just acting the shit out of a movie. It's Isabel Huppert getting raped or Isabel Huppert participating in self-harm or Isabel Huppert sort of uh, dominating someone or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So these are all um, performative acts that are sexual and uh, occasionally perverted, I guess, for lack of a better word, in nature, um, which is pretty interesting. And so I think I walked out of that movie feeling like that was a problem, um, but I'm inclined to look closer at it because this is Verhoeven. Verhoeven is someone who's not simply perverted. He always is perverted, plus has something to say about perversion. Um, and Starship Troopers is a good example of that. Like, uh, it is biting satire on fascism, but that's, that's actually pretty easily overlooked. Um, and, uh, I, he, that's what's so interesting about him is he's not simply a condemner of, fascism or perversion and he's not simply a pervert or a fascist he manages to pull off both at the same time he'll create work that is sensual in nature but then also sort of comments on sensuality um so i just wanted to spend a little bit of time mining that turf and wondering if verhoven doesn't have anything to say about about the way we watched l um and i, I don't know if i have an answer you know i i think one of the things that's the most interesting about L is for the most of the movie, we're, we're doing two things. One is we're trying to figure out who raped Isabelle Luper. So the guy who did it is in a mask and, um, she doesn't follow police report. She just, she just sort of like toughs it out. Um, and <laughs> like eventually tells her friends, um, and, and does want to know who did it, but she's got a lot of suspects because she's got a company, with an all-male staff, many of whom resent her for her sort of tyranny in the office. Um, she has a creepy neighbor. Um, there might be other potential suspects, but those are the people who come in. And, and spoiler alert, um, it is her neighbor who ends up being the rapist. Um, but we don't find that out until pretty late in the film. And so one aspect of the film is constantly wondering who raped Isabelle Huppert. Um, it's sort of a whodunit. And, and then the other, um, I think, sort of searching whodunit aspect is, like, who is this character? I think her name is Michelle um, in the film. Uh, but we are always being kind of pulled in in different categories or, or you know, so there's this, I think there's this desire to categorize Isabelle Huppert, like, who is this person, her character? And, um, the movie is constantly challenging our, our characterization. So, you know, from the get go, when she gets raped, it's this, the, the, the follow-up is her cleaning up the house, um, because she broke a vase in the struggle. Um, she throws away her clothes. She takes a bath. Um, we see sort of this like banal response to it. Um, and, and sort of it, there's ambiguity there, right? Is she in shock? Or is she just sort of um, being a trooper? Um, or is she actually sort of missing components um, that that we would call human? And so I think like uh, to, I think I just named three things and to try to give them better names, like uh, there's the, there's the victim, right? Oh, she's in shock. She deserves pity. She deserves empathy. 
She should speak to someone. She should call the police, uh, etc. There's sort of the stoic or the sort of the champion. She's a CEO. She's a badass. Um, she's, she doesn't let anything phase her. She's not going to get stopped. Um, and then there's the sociopath or the psychopath, um, which gets borne out in some of her interactions with the other characters and is also explicitly sort of made an option because it turns out that when she was 10, her father, um, went on a rampage and killed, um, many people and animals. And then I think, uh, ultimately sort of got her involved. I think they burned the house down together or something like that. And so it was this big story and there's a, a photo of Isabel, Isabel Huppert's character, Michelle, at like age 10, burning down the house or something like that. And so her father is, is serving a life sentence in prison, but she's sort of associated and dragged in the mud with this story. And so we also are invited to wonder, you know, maybe she inherited her father's genes and is um, a, a psychopath. She's certainly cruel and can be cruel to pretty much everyone. Um, the fact that she participates in a... Uh, affair with her best friends and business partners, uh, husband, right? So like there, there's lots of evidence there. And so, um, I think there is an invitation that the movie creates to, um, you know, I think one of the reasons the movie is so compelling is it, it, you're always wondering who is this character? Um, and I suppose like that's the piece that for me, maybe if I'm, if I'm being like as generous to Verhoeven and the film as I can be, Maybe that's the thesis of the film, which is um, to challenge this uh, gaze, at, whether it's a male gaze or a female gaze. I, I think we can be um, agnostic about, but it's sort of this objectifying gaze um, and this gaze and this desire to categorize. And I think what makes Michelle the character and Isabelle Huppert the actor so um, astonishingly good is that they demand a sort of protracted gaze because they're so hard to classify and ultimately resist classification. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like you stare at someone so long you become self-conscious about it. Right. So I think the movie, well, you know, I, I guess I think the movie does definitively answer who Isabelle Huppert is or the Michelle is. I, I think she's a badass, like, uh, I think she's not a psychopath. Um, she certainly is a flawed person. She had a tough childhood. She's got a fucked up father and a fucked up mother, although in a different way. Um, she's not a good, she, we don't have to call her a good person or anything like that. Um, but she feels, um, she's not a victim or doesn't let herself become a victim. Although, you know, as I say that, of course, that's like a fraught thing to say, but I, I don't know. I, I left the movie feeling admiration for the character. Um, but I didn't feel like I was able to classify her one way or another. Um, and then I sort of almost became hyper aware of my desire to classify her. Um, and so if we kind of step back into fandom, anytime you're a super fan of someone, a fan to, to the extent that you're crawling Twitter and sort of saying like, I want to see what people are saying is about Um, think there's this question of like, well, what is it that you love so much about her? Um, and I think there's like many, many legitimate answers to that, but, um, uh, sort of a deep analysis of what your fandom consists in and what sort of, um, is the engine behind it, um, is sort of a worthy investigation. I think that's the investigation the movie itself takes is 
It's a whodunit of identity. Um, and it doesn't have a clean ending. Um, and it is as sort of complicit in its message as it makes it right. Because I think Verhoeven is as bad as any of us. I mean, I think he, he directs this movie, um, almost as a fan himself, right? He's almost putting together a highlight reel of Uper. Um, and so, uh, with all that said, I think she's, she's certainly deserving of her, um, nomination for best actress. I don't think L is a fantastic movie. I would recommend piano teacher over it. Um, but if you find yourself becoming a, an Isabel Uper super fan, then L is absolutely unmissable. Um, and I think I will leave it there. Um, I hope this was a cogent enough bar cast despite being recorded relatively late at night. Um, enjoy, uh, whatever movie you see next and I'll see you next time.